What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. Only y'all here from Louisville, Kentucky. Before we get into things, as always, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch on YouTube as well. Hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, leave the five-star reviews where you can. All of that helps us to grow the show. We are are coming off of the back of a what was an incredible weekend. And, And I said on Thursday's show, I didn't think this weekend was going to be as big as the week prior. And I don't think it was. But it this weekend certainly you know, brought more punch than I thought it would. And how much of that is the game we're about to talk about? I think a lot of it. But we also had a lot of action outside of that as well. Now, Let's get into the game at hand here, the the one that we have to start this show off with, the one that that we can't go if we're going to talk about any game this weekend. We're going to talk about this one. Maryland and Virginia. The Terrapins beat the Cavaliers 14-13 in overtime. We knew it was going to be a good one. We knew it was going to be a classic, and it turned out to be, I would argue, the best game of this series since the 2021 national title game. One of the best games of this series that we've had maybe since 2009. Like, And, and that we've talked about that. That was mentioned a lot this week, the 2009. Uh, was it six or five? Overtime? A lot of overtimes in, in that game. You obviously had a 2021 game where uh, you know Luke Lehman, Alex Road makes that big save there uh, to end the game, uh, sh- shuts Luke Lehman down there, uh, shuts his shot uh, down in the final seconds. Virginia wins the game. Incredible defensive stand there for the Cavaliers, really, uh, t- to end the contest there as well, if I'm, if I'm thinking clearly. Um, uh, 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 back to that game. Uh, incredible contest there for, for for both sides. And then we saw last year, Maryland really was a, a step above Virginia. They, they were a cut above Virginia for, for a good portion of it, um, uh, of the season, and really the whole season, right? They, they, they beat them pretty bad in the regular season, beat them pretty bad in the quarterfinals. This one, we get a one-goal game again. And Maryland comes out on top for the third consecutive time in a row over the Terrapins. If, 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 you, if you needed to be convinced, I don't think anyone did, if you needed to be convinced that these were the two, or two of the most predominant programs in the country right now, the two programs that arguably have defined the sport more than any other over the past, you know, what? Four or five years now. Saturday afternoon, 
showed you that. I think it was over 5,000 there in Charlottesville. Looked like a fantastic crowd. Wasn't the warmest of day either, uh, from what I could tell. Wasn't here in Kentucky either. Wasn't the warmest uh, typical March day that you have, mid-March day. Uh, but, but that crowd was rocking, and you could hear it on through the TV. Um, I, I love the, uh, you, you know, Maryland, uh, you know, waving goodbye to the crowd as, as Daniel Kelly hits that game, overtime game winner. I mean, the, the atmosphere, the energy that both these teams brought was it, was, it was as expected. Everything, like this game delivered. This game delivered. And look, we haven't even talked about, well, we spent two, three minutes here talking about this game, and we haven't even talked about the game yet. Just the, the, the atmosphere around it, the energy around it, and you could feel it through the television. Great game for, for, for both these teams, and both deservedly, uh, you, you know, deserve to be, you know, recognized as top three, top five teams in the country at this point. Like, they are in that elite group, Notre Dame, Virginia, Maryland, whatever order you want to put it in, we're going to get Maryland, Virginia, excuse me, um, Virginia, Notre Dame this coming week. That's going to be an exciting one there up in South Bend. Uh, just a, an incredible contest on Saturday that, you know, came down to the wire here. And, you know, Daniel Kelly with with, with the game winner, he gets it off of Braden Oska. Kelly actually bookends the game, gets the first goal of the contest, gets the final goal of the contest uh, there to push Maryland ahead and, and secure the win 14-13. to 13. But, you know, it, 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 I'll say Maryland, the, the offense was, was a lot better this, this, this day. It was a lot better than we had seen it. They've continually come together. We saw Jack Forrest step up. He had, what, three or four goals? In this contest, it was a phenomenal day for him. Yeah, he had four goals, all of which came in the second half. Oscar had two goals, one assist. Jack Brennan, Owen Murphy each had one goal and one assist. Luke Wheelerman goes 15 for 30 at the faceoff dot and has a goal as well. Also had an assist in this contest. Like We saw this Maryland offense come together and be what it needs to be. And B, what we what we look the the, the 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 development, the improvement from week to week, and just the simple nature of these guys continually. And when I say these guys, I'm talking about Maryland. The Maryland offense continually grows. It, it continually is is deep. It is continually being developed, and we saw that on display. On Saturday, Jack Corliss is probably the most notable example of that. Um, I think he had what one or two goals, maybe maybe none. Um, I think he had one or two coming into the, on the season, coming into the weekend. Like he wasn't the you know the the flashy name across the screen for Maryland lacrosse offensively coming into the weekend. He steps up is the big time hero there in the game, big part of that second half run and. The second half run that we saw from Maryland here, you know, and let me let me um, find this here. So yeah, Maryland um, they outscored the Cavaliers eight to three from the fourteen twenty eight mark in the third through the thirteen fourteen mark 
in the fourth quarter. They outscored Maryland eight, excuse me, outscored Virginia eight to three for ma- the majority of the second half. There, that they helped pull ahead. You know, twelve to nine. You had the Eric Kohler score off the Wheelerman feed there. Then you had Jack Corliss get his third there. Uh, those back-to-back goals that I felt were kind of juice goals there in early in the fourth quarter that helped Virginia uh, helped Maryland continue that energy that they were able to build up in the third quarter and, and really help them push through in this contest. Uh, before we, you know, move on to the defense, I do have to talk about this real quick. The one thing I think I learned this week outside of the Maryland offense is continually getting better is let Luke Wheelman shoot. He had a goal in this one, had an assist in this one, could have had two goals. And John Tillman, you could you could tell that Maryland sideline was ah, coach, don't don't call the timeout there. John Tillman calls the timeout as the as the shots released. Wheelman scores. Maryland could have shut it down in regulation if that one uh stands, if he doesn't call the timeout there. And it looked like that was gonna come back to haunt them. It does. Not and obviously Virginia gets the win and the offensive progression is a big part of that uh, in this contest. And you know, just one more aspect of the Maryland offense from today that I want to mention. Doing that, so Maryland started hot out of the gate. They had that really strong run there in the second half. The thing that that really struck me about that second half for Maryland offensively was that if I, I don't think we had seen the Virginia defense be able to get moved by ball movement, by off ball movement, and be able to. I don't think we had seen an offense be able to get this Virginia defense out of rotation enough and open up those seams as well as Maryland was able to do. Coming into the game, um, remember, I picked Virginia in this contest. I think one of the things I had mentioned was, is you know is the Maryland offense going to continue to get better? Are they going to show what they need to show on Saturday to win the game? And I think they did. We can talk about the depth all we want. We can talk about the emergence of guys like Corliss and, and Kohler all we want. We can talk about the amount of players that they have on any given Saturday that they can roll out there and expect to step up. We can talk all we want about that. The ball movement and the continual development overall is the biggest aspect for this Maryland offense that really has, I think, continued to show itself. Uh, Obviously, you had the Loyola game. And that was that. But since then, it really has been a slow progression towards this point here for Maryland. I shouldn't say slow, but a progression nonetheless there for Maryland to get to this point. It's not 2021. It's not 2022. But it's still a pretty dang good offense. And they showed a lot there on Saturday in the win over the Cavaliers. The next thing that we have to talk about with this Maryland team and um, 
we, we could spend another 10, we could spend another 10, 15 minutes talking about this point in particular. Defense. Defense. Ajax Zapatello holds Connor Schaumburg to what was it? One goal. And did he have two assists, I believe it was, in this contest? Let me pull this up real quick. Uh, yeah, Zapatello holding Connor Schaumburg one goal, two assists, sh- seven shots. He had just one assist and four shots at the half. It's the second consecutive game against each other where Zapatello has held Connor Schaumburg pretty good. Um, Schaumburg obviously was zero, zero, zero goals, zero assists in the quarterfinals last year. I think he had three goals and three assists maybe in the regular season game against Maryland last season, um, but certainly didn't do much of anything, was was more or less you know, taken out of the game in the quarterfinal contest. Uh, Zapatella took him out of the game as much as he could here on Saturday, and really every time Schellberg had the ball, Zapatella was up in him. Um, just a tremendous day, again, was that for Zapatello, and I believe he had um, a couple cost turnovers in this one as well, a couple ground balls, uh, really strong day for Zapatello and that Maryland defense uh, may call Zapatello, those guys continuing to look good, Dante Trader, those guys, defensive midfielders, continuing to show themselves there. But the uh, the one man, the, the, the one man that, that everyone's talking about on this day, the one man that everyone's talking about with regards to Maryland's defense is goalie, freshman goalie, Brian Rupel. He did his best Kyle Burnwall impression on Saturday in overtime. If you want, go to Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, at Lacrosse Bucket. I've got the side-by-side uh, videos there. The Kyle Burnwall save in OT uh, in the loss to Carolina in the national title game. And then next to it, the uh, the, uh, the 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 big ending save of that sequence there, uh, which looked identical to the Burnwall one from Rupal on Saturday in overtime to help them get the win. I am still, and, and watching that one, I had the the uh, game on the computer at basketball on TV, and just watching that and seeing it, I, I had to jump out of my seat and just it just yelled, Kyle Bonewood, because it, it it was identical. It was just as amazing. I don't know, and I've watched a ton. I've watched hundreds of hours of lacrosse. I don't know if I've seen a sequence much like that that we saw from Rupel in that overtime period. He, you know, I think it was Evan Zinn and then McConvey both had shots, uh, pretty wide open looks from up top. You know, McConvey gets it off the ground ball that came off the the uh, the, the rebound, and then. You know, Zen had the first shot of that sequence, uh, g- getting the look from Schellenberger there in transition after the failed Maryland clear. And then I think it was Zen again who had the who had that third shot 
uh, gets the rebound on the crease and tries to put it back in. And Rupel's there. Uh, Rupel ended the day with what did he have in this in this one here um, in the contest? His final stats. I think he had was it twelve or thirteen saves in this contest. I mean, an unbelievable day for Brian Rupel. Fourteen saves in the contest there for Maryland. Um, I have. Back when when Logan McNaney went down, and I said on this podcast, I said, well, something to the effect of, you know, it's a big loss, but I'm not sure I'm 100%. Like, I'm not, I'm not as worried as I would be if it was another team because Maryland has, they stockpile goalies. You've got Teddy Dolan there, the, the, the grad transfer from Binghamton. You've got Brian Rupel, obviously, who started the past couple of games now and has looked just phenomenal here for Maryland. And he had his best game, I would say, of the season, of his career so far uh, yesterday against against the Cavaliers. And, and that sequence there, just uh, he, he's a madman. He, he's a madman. He can do it. Um, if you can make saves like that, you can make plays all day, every day. And, and, and that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. I, I there's not much else you can say about it, but incredible, impressive. Like it's just simply one of the greatest uh, sequences, one of the greatest plays I've seen. Um, certainly this season, it's the play of the season so far. In the game of the season uh, so far, like it just wow! Like what what a save, what a save, what a play. What a stand there. And, and and back to the point of this, like that sequence, and, and I mentioned this in my in, in, in my article here in the in the weekly in my uh notebook that came out late last night. You know, I said this this was the opener here. I said the calendar might say March, but what went down in Charlottesville on Saturday afternoon felt like a game out of late May. And part of that was that overtime sequence. I mean, you go from Maryland being, I don't want to say the wind was taken out of their sails, but that wheelman, that time out there, and then not being able to convert the mail, the Virginia defense, having a good stand there. And by the way, Cole Kastner, Kate Sostad, those guys, I thought they played pretty well, quite as good as you could ask them to. I, I don't know if Matthew Nunes is like, he's a great goalie. He has been under 50% this season. He's a sophomore. He's still improving. <coughs> I think he's better than what he was last year. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's the kind of guy, and, 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 and I don't want to make a definitive statement about this, but I, I don't know if he's, he's not the kind of, like, difference maker that you need, at least at this point, to, to, to make that championship weekend run, like, on his back. The defense out in front of him is better, um, and that helps. And he had 16 saves in the day. I thought he was he was fine at times, and certainly during that stretch in the second quarter, he was very good when Virginia was able to, you know, really just run rough shot over that Maryland defense, and then defensively for Virginia was able got a bunch of call, got a couple good cost turnovers, got a couple good stops like. 
Nunes has his moments for sure. I, you know, putting it all together. And I think in, in, in many respects, that Virginia defense hasn't shown that yet this season, albeit the Maryland game is the toughest contest they've seen so far. Be interested to see what they do against Notre Dame um, next week. But that, that that's kind of one aspect of Virginia where I'm still kind of, I'm hesitant to say like that's championship weekend quality. I, I think he's still very good. Obviously a sophomore going to continue to grow. So you want to make definitive statements about that. But like at this moment in time, that is probably the weakness. Peter Lasala going 50% against Wheelman, And it was a much improved performance than he had the last couple of times out against him. That was very good to see. Um, but I, I do think really the, the, the goalie position for Virginia might be the one, like, like I don't want to say the, the maybe the biggest weakness, but, but one of the holes that you can poke in this roster or inconsistencies, whatever you want to call it. But back to the, the to the to the Maryland and, and this being a, a a May Madness type game in March is like you went from from thinking you know, you know they get stopped, Maryland gets stopped in regulation. Um, and then I, they, they, they get stopped there, and over time they, they, they fail that clear, and it looks like Virginia, they have an open opportunity to take this one, and they, they don't get it uh, with Ruble making those saves. Like the, 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 the shift in momentum, the shift in energy was like, like, like it, it, was, it was quick. It was quick. It was fast. It was like what you see in a championship weekend game it was like what you see in a game there on memorial day where you have these fast swings of momentum and especially late it it, it was you know Maryland wins this game 14 13 and it was the greatest game that we've had thus far in 2023 Notre Dame Maryland is a close close second and uh, speaking of Notre Dame, I want to hit them real quick before we move here to some other teams. They beat uh, Michigan 18 to 8. Um, uh, you know, Notre Dame is, is, is going to be in, in my top 20 that, that I'll put out on Monday. They're going to be the number one team in the country. Um, they're undefeated. They're the only undefeated, I believe, left. And uh, they had a game on, on Saturday where. They just absolutely killed it. Uh, Pat Cavanaugh had four goals and six assists for 10 points in the contest. I believe that's uh, – he tied his own record for most points in a game at Virginia uh, – uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, we've got Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Virginia next week in South Bend. That is going to be another, an, another just incredible contest between two of the top teams in college lacrosse. Now, moving forward uh, to some other games this weekend, let's go to um, – which game are we going to go to? Well, let's go to Cornell first. Let's go to Cornell here now. Cornell, 20, Yale, 10. So I watched this game almost in its entirety. I turned it off late in the second half or switched it to, to my phone late in the second half to kind of keep an eye on it, eye on it while watching some other games. Um, Cornell comes into this one, obviously, after what was a, um, a, a tough loss a week ago. 
losing to Penn State 10 to 6, and we'll get to Penn State here next. Cornell is fired up in this one. It's the Ivy League opener. Connor Busick had his team ready to play. Just absolutely had them ready to play. Yale comes out. I believe it was Chris Lyons and Leo Johnson, I believe it was. Oh, no, Max Kresky and Chris Johnson. With, uh, uh, Matt, Matt Krevsky, Max Krevsky and Chris Lyons. There we go. Get the name straight. There. Max Krevsky, Chris Lyons. Come out of the gate. Two quick goals for Yale. Um, and this is a game that early on I felt like Yale was, I, you know, you see they, they get up 2-0. I believe like they were doing decently in uh, the clearing in, in, in the ride and, and were playing some pretty good lacrosse early on. Yeah, was. However, wasn't long until Cornell took this thing over. Hugh Kelleher gets on the, on the scoring at the 10:25 mark of the first quarter. And the big red from there just avalanche. They just avalanche. And it was not snowing in New Haven, but it was it, it was raining big red buckets because of goals. Just an incredible display from Cornell in this one. Um, Billy Coyle, two goals, six assists. Coast had five goals in this one. Um, big development here. Michael Long is making his debut. He had a hat trick and dished out one assist. I thought he looked fantastic in that debut. Coyle. Coast long was that starting attack line. It continued to look very, very strong there for Cornell. Um, it was a 12 to 4 lead at the half, 14 to 4 early in the third quarter. And that's about when I took this one to the second screen and and said, you know what, this one's over. Um you know, the the, the, the kind of the, the big matchup in this one was was Gavin Adler for Cornell versus Matt Brandau. He played phenomenal. Adler did. Um, held Brandau to just one goal, one assist, and four shots on the game. And I, 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 I have to go back and look at the box score on this one, but I don't think that Brandau even had a shot until the second half at least, uh, maybe even the fourth quarter. Like, he was held – out of this game for uh, a majority of it there. And just a, another really good performance here from Adler against Brandau, uh, two of the top players in the Ivy League going against each other. Chase Irwin anchored that defensive effort with 21 saves in cage. Uh, the, 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 the big aspect for me, though, in this game was – the face-off dot. We've talked about we talked about it last year. We talked about this year. Cornell, though, maybe only weakness is the face-off dot. But on certain days, on certain days, on, on certain given days, they can rise above that. Whether it be great defensive stops to um, to you know neutralize their struggles with the dot. Uh, cover up the struggles of the dot, or just straight up playing much better at the dot. And that's what they did today um, in this one. You had uh, Spencer Worth, uh, you had uh, Mark uh, Siles in this one as well, and I know I butchered that name there, um, as well as Angelo Petrakis 
was back in here, and I need to uh, pull up the uh, box score here. I did not write down the uh, yeah, I did not write down what they went in this one, uh, but had a solid day. So 17 for 34 there, uh, 50-50 in terms of team face-off percentage here. Petrakis, though, 8 for 13 in this contest. Uh, Silos, 7 for 16 in the contest. Jack Kaskinen, 2 for 5 there in the action that he saw. Angelo Petrakis is back in the lineup this week. Uh, He did not play last week against Penn State, as we had mentioned. And, um, yeah, I mean, just comes back in the lineup and has what is uh, arguably his best contest uh, to date here in this one. Uh, Just a really, really good effort there for for Petrakis and Cornell there at the faceoff dot. And really good to see Cornell get get that part of their game going. Uh, They move to play Penn next week. Uh, Cornell does. Yale will. Uh, they travel to Princeton, I believe it is. Yes, Yale travels to Princeton. Um, Cornell welcomes in Penn. So a uh, couple more big Ivy League contests for these two next week as well. And, and a really surprising win there for Cornell. I'd picked Yale on this one. I thought this was going to be pretty even. The one thing that you... We kind of talked about was Yale's. We talked about this earlier in the season. Yale's defense not starting very hot and not being able to catch up. Yale overall not being able to catch up. That happened again. But I feel like this was a game where it didn't. They didn't just like start slow. They just uh, did. They even show up. Uh, I, I, it, 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 it was one of the worst defensive performances for sure. Overall, one of the worst, the worst game overall. I think this is one. Andy Shea, you kind of have to say, hey, we burn the tape. Let's move on. We know what we can do. And, you know, Yale had had two good wins there over UMass and um, who was it last week? Denver. And uh, well, the defense had come out pretty strong and they played pretty good throughout. Um, They hadn't had those first quarter woes that we had seen earlier in the season. Uh, That comes back to haunt them again. And this one, and credit to Cornell being able to take advantage of that, knowing when to step on the gas and knowing, hey, we're not pulling off this thing until we know this one's over. And that uh, they earned the 20-10 uh, to 10 blowout victory there in New Haven. We had another surprise victory this weekend. Um, here's the thing. If Marquette plays a, uh, a um, Big Ten team, in a neutral site. Pick Marquette. Pick Marquette. They beat Michigan in Naples back in late February. They have now beaten Penn State on Long Island in mid-March. 12-11 to 11 game on Saturday afternoon. I have this on second screen here, kind of in the background. And so, didn't watch this one in its entirety, but saw enough of it here. And, um... The one thing that struck me in this one is, so I mean, first of all, Marquette coming off the 11 to 10 loss to Bellarmine last week uh, or the week prior, and you know, needing to kind of get a, a they'd been pretty strong, and we we talked about Marquette kind of being this dark horse horse dark horse ish team. That sounds about right. 
dark horse-ish team in the Big East that could potentially beat somebody, could potentially pull an upset in league play, is going to be pretty good this year. Devin Cowan, Bobby O'Grady, you've got a bunch of talent there. Mason Wood, Woodward on, on defense. Tons of talent there. This entire team showed up to play on Saturday. This entire team showed up. Entire team from O'Grady to Woodward, everyone in between. The faceoff dot, we'll talk about this in a second. Grant Evans, Luke Williams, very strong day at the dot there for those two. They combined to go 19 for 27. That's 70%. Evans, 10 for 13, 76% at the dot there for Marquette. That was a surprise to me that Marquette was able to get that amount of success there against Chase Mullen, Hudson Bond, and that faceoff. Stable there that had been pretty strong for Penn State throughout this season thus far. And really for me was the the main, in terms of personnel, the main thing I didn't necessarily think Marquette was going to win at, and they did. Um, So very impressed with Marquette did there. Secondly, um, Marquette, so in this game, Penn State, so... Penn State opens the scoring at 921. Okay. Ethan Long put home one a few minutes later to make it a 2-1 game. Okay. After that, the Nittany Lions uh, used a three-goal run that saw Malone, Jake Mullen, and Chris Jordan each put home a score. It's a 5-4 lead. Those were the three, 1-0, 2-1, and 5-4. Those are the only three times that Penn State got a lead in this game. Because every single time that Penn State got back in front, Marquette said, nah, we're going to answer. And we're going to answer better. I didn't foresee that coming. We knew Marquette was a good team. I knew this was probably going to be a good one. But I saw Penn State being able to pull away and, and get a win here. Didn't happen. Didn't happen, and a really impressive defensive performance here from Marquette. Really uh, impressive performance overall here from Marquette to be able to, every time they needed to, strike back. Every time it like Penn State was going to creep back in, they said, nah, actually, you're not going to do that. You're not really going to do that. Uh, Penn State got a couple late in the final seconds. Marquette is able to hold off and, and get the win. Huge win there for Coach Stimmel. Got the shout-out from Shaka Smart last night on the uh, after the uh, Wildcat basketball win, if you saw that. So big, big win here for Wildcat. Um, in terms of you know, Devin Cowan, Andrew Bowman, each had a hat trick here. <coughs> Bobby O'Grady, two goals, one assist. Will Foster, one goal, three assists. Deep, deep. Uh, group there offensively for Marquette. You had the face-off success. Michael O'Leary had, uh, was it 10, 11, 12 saves in cage? A strong day for him in, in goal. Just, a, again, a complete team win, team performance here for Marquette in this one as they take down the once-hot Penn State Nittany Lions and give them a taste of their own medicine in pulling an upset over the kings of the upset so far coming into this weekend, 
what had been the king of upsets in Penn State. Moving on here, we need to talk about a couple Ivy League thrillers, both Hollywood and Penn, win in overtime to mark their first wins in league play. And so let's get to Harvard first. Um, so I didn't watch the entirety of this one, but I did see the ending of it and kind of checked in from here from time to time on this one. Um, so you had a really good game here, 16 to 15. Harvard wins this one. Uh, it looked like at the end of this contest. So uh, I, I tuned in in the fourth quarter here. And it looked like 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 Brown had this one kind of in the back. Uh, Mateo Corsi had two straight to give him a hat trick. Pull Brown ahead with 15-14 left. You had Harvard and Brown both not able to come up there with anything much uh, there late in the contest. However, uh, in those final 202, Looked like Brown was going to be able to pull this one away, seal the deal. However, Brown gets a turnover. Brown um, has a turnover. Harvard is able to capitalize with just seconds left in this contest. Crimson, they do what is needed. Sam King finds Teddy Malone, gets a little bouncer, goes right past Connor Thilio. 13 seconds left for the overtime forcing goal. An overtime period. Another similar situation here, reversal. Teddy Malone finds Sam King. He puts it in a little nice little bouncer from around the cage on the side there, puts it past Connor Thelio, and Harvard gets the win. And this one, uh, Sam King, he had four goals on the day, also had three assists for seven points in the contest. Malone had six points, four goals, uh, three assists in the contest. And this one, I, yeah, three, wait, he had three, six points, three goals, three assists it was in, in the contest. It was leaving that stat sheet wrong. Um, Aiden McLean, seven goals there for Brown. Connor Thurio, 17 saves. Oh, both these teams played pretty good. It was good to see Brown get um, get back on track after the loss to North Carolina last week. Obviously, still uh, struggling with the suspensions. Harvard, um, they had because I can't remember what what did Harvard pull their schedule here. Harvard had yes, okay, they lost to Michigan a week prior. A one where Michigan comes back in that one. Um, another high scoring affair here for, for Harvard in this one, and they get the win, I think shows a lot. Still a very young squad. If you remember last year, almost all freshmen, a lot of these guys are sophomores now. Sam King, uh, they're a sophomore. He had four goals, three assists. Malone, four goals, two assists. He's a sophomore as well. Um, excuse me, a, 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 a freshman uh, first year uh, there uh, for the Crimson. Miles Butkus, two goals, one assist. Nick Walling had a hat trick. Logan Ip, another freshman there at the midfield, had three goals in this contest. Uh, just an overall 
fantastic day here for uh, both these teams being able to put up the points they were able to. And uh, kind of a game of runs and a game where just uh, everybody was able to find the back of the cage. Uh, we mentioned McLean there with, with the seven goals for for um, for Brown. Mateo Corsi, three goals, one assist. I thought he played very well in this one. Um, Matt Gunty had 20 for 27. Good to see him get back on track there for the Bears in this contest. Um, now, let's move to a so an offensive shootout there in Cambridge. And, and by the way, uh, both Brown and Harvard will have non-league non contests coming up next. Uh, Harvard faces Boston U on Tuesday, one I'm very excited for. Brown plays UMass next week. Should be another good one there as well. Now let's move from an offensive shootout in the Ivy League to a defensive battle in the Ivy League, and that is under the lights, Franklin Field, Penn 9, Princeton 8, goes into overtime, and who the heck wins it? The Penn Quakers, Sam Hanley with a walk-off goal to win it in overtime. He had uh, was it? He had two goals, four assists on the day. Ben Smith, four goals. Emmett Carroll, ten saves. Uh, Alexander, uh, uh, Christian Ronda with a just absolute snipe of his own late in regulation ties things up at eight for the overtime forcing goal. Big defensive stops, and these defenses played very good all day in this one uh, for both Princeton and Penn late in this game to help ensure that things would force uh, things would indeed go to overtime. Um, Hanley played good in this one. Both of these defenses played good. Uh, one thing I do want to mention, Michael Gina Ficaro started the entire game for Princeton. So Princeton goes with the one goalie in this game. He had 17 saves, played very, very well. The Princeton defense looked as good as they had for as much time as they had all season. I thought this was an improved game for both teams. Uh, both came in wanting to get that, you know, marquee win, two and three records for both. Both had struggled early in the season. Penn obviously gets the win here to start Ivy League play. As we mentioned, the Quakers will move on to play Cornell next week. Uh, Princeton will welcome in Yale next week. So two more big opportunities for these teams to get marquee wins next week. Um, but but again, I, I thought the, the biggest thing for me was the improvement with both of these teams. And I think, you no, know, Princeton's defense, we had seen flashes from, and I would, I, I've said for multiple weeks, I, I think they need to go to one goalie, like at least try it and see what happens. And I thought it was pretty good. Like you lost the game, but it was a close one. And look, Princeton, they've lost. Close games, back-to-back -back weeks now, in overtime, that stings. Like, that absolutely stings. That absolutely stings. Penn, they won against St. Joe's in overtime. They lost to Villanova uh, late in that one last week, and then they uh, beat Princeton in overtime. Sam Hanley with the overtime game when it was about, uh, against both St. Joe's and, and Princeton. 
by the way. So he has two OT game winners in two weeks' time. Um, I thought this the, the the Penn offense is seemingly coming together in terms of like uh, knowing what they want to do more and getting the midfield certainly open more. Like that was a problem. Was like you're not getting that was a problem against Villanova. Was like the midfield didn't seem like it was getting. Open Hanley had like what two shots and two goals. Like it, 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 it wasn't getting the opportunities were not there that it needed to be. Also, the Penn, the Princeton midfield, Vidalo at uh, two goals and two assists, Stevens, two goals, one assist, English, two goals, one assist. I thought the midfield overall, and we know Princeton's got plenty of midfielders there, uh, that they can roll out on any given day. Uh, thought the midfield looked a lot better in this one. And that's kind of the uh, – that was the one place for them last year that I was always very impressed with. Obviously, Vidalo playing at attack and, and led the way with four points in this one. But to see Stevens, see English, and then Ronda had the one as well, to see those guys step into this and, and have the game that they kind of needed to have from the midfield um, was, was good to see here. Uh, ben Smith, seeing him having a breakout game for Penn, was pretty good. We saw what he did late last season. I I, I want to say both these teams are kind of coming together. Uh, Princeton, you know, they are on a four-game losing streak now. They need to get another one against Yale. I, I'm not sure they're going to stay in the top 20 this week. Um, I'm on the fence about keeping them in there. Like, you're two and four. At, at some point, you, you, you can't. At some point, you lose four straight. I don't care who it's against. I don't care how close it was. At some point, it's hard to justify keeping you in there. And, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see on Monday when the polls come out, the, the official polls there, where Princeton's going to be. I have a feeling they might still be in there, like 20. Uh, but I also have a feeling that they very well could drop out entirely, uh, maybe drop to like, you know, a, you know, theoretical 21, or, you know, wherever it may be. Still two very good teams here in uh, Penn and Princeton. Two teams very much, though, that are continuing to piece things together as the season goes along. A uh, couple other notes I want to make here. So first of all, Recording this one before the Denver-Ohio State game, so we're not going to talk about that one. Uh, but North Carolina and Dartmouth just went final. Uh, North Carolina, uh, do we even need to mention this one? North Carolina absolutely drubs Dartmouth in this contest. A 25-7 to win there for Carolina. A great bounce-back win for Carolina. They lose 15-8 to Duke on uh, Friday. Uh, we also had Hopkins beat Navy 12-8 on Friday. Good one for Hopkins to keep things going. They've got Delaware tonight, so not going to talk about that one on this podcast as well. We'll talk about both Denver, Ohio State, and uh, Hopkins and Delaware on Tuesday's show uh, to be sure. Oh, maybe we'll do a Monday show just to hit on those ones. We'll see. A um, couple other games I want to mention here before we get out of the way. Utah with a very convincing 15 to 8 win over Bellarmine. They led this one from the start and really had no trouble there. 
against the Knights. Uh, the Dolphins, the Jacksonville Dolphins. Did y'all know Dolphins can swim in the snow? Because that appears what happened. Uh, 12 to 6 win over Robert Morris in a snowy uh, Moon Township, PA. Dylan Watson, six goals, three assists in this one. Didn't get eyes on this, but from what I could tell, uh, Jacksonville did what they needed to do. They continued to get wins in this uh, this season. Uh, St. Joseph's gets back in the winning column, 16-10 over St. John's. Levi Anderson, eight goals, two assists in this one. Zach Cole, 82% at the dot. High point blows out. I mean, Georgetown blows out high point, 22-10. to 10. Brian Minicus, six goals on the day, uh, one assist as well. And let's talk about another Minicus brother here. Loyola, 14, Bucknell, 13. Loyola escapes this one. Matthew Minicus had seven goals, one assist. We'll talk more about Loyola on Tuesday's show for sure. And I've had some questions about Loyola. We'll, we'll talk about them on Tuesday's show to be sure. Um, Lafayette gets a win over uh, Colgate in overtime. Nick Rosie scored there. Peter Lehman had six goals on the day for the Leopards. Evan Plunkett, another hat trick for the freshman here for Army. 12-10 over Lehigh. Uh, Boston U, 23-9 over Holy Cross. Vince DeAlto, six goals, three assists. And that one, um, looking at a couple more. Oh, uh, Rutgers, 11-5 over UMass. Not much to talk about here. Dante Kulis, two goals, two assists. Kyle Mullen, 12 saves. Rutgers took care of business, did what they needed to do in that one. Uh, Drexel gets a second consecutive pretty big win for them as they beat Towson 12-11 in their CAA opener. And then I uh, do want to talk about a couple MAC games here real quick and starting off with the VMI Cadets as uh, they pulled a pretty good win here over Siena 14-10. Jack Rogers, 70% on the day at the dot there for the cadets. Uh, VMI is 4-4 four and four on the season. They have not gone over four wins since uh, it's, it's, it's been quite a while. Uh, I believe it was the 2010s, the last time they had a, like, early 2010s, the last time they went over four wins. Uh, they had four wins last season. And with the schedule they have, they could very well get five, maybe six, seven wins this season. Uh, their VMI could. So uh, Coach Papola and the cadets there over in Lexington doing a, a fairly good job there this season. So far, Wagner defeats Quinnipiac in triple overtime. Ben Stewart with the goal there. He had uh, the game winner goal in that one. He had four goals to assist on the day for Wagner as the Seahawks get a good one. Canisius, their second win of the weekend of the week, second win of the season. Colin Kelly, seven goals. Keegan Kozak, three goals, two assists. The duo combines for 12 points as they beat Marist 18 to 6. Canisius looking good right now, early in Mac play. Marist, one of the most disappointing teams 
in the country, I would have to say so. I don't know how many losses they've had so far, but it's been quite a bit. Um, Bryant, big win over UMBC in the America East, 17-13. to Johnny Hackett, again, coming up big for the uh, Bulldogs, seven-goal game for him. You also had, um, was was this one? Uh, Binghamton. Binghamton, 14-7 to over Merrimack. Thomas Greenblatt, one goal, six assists. Matthew Keegan, four goals, one assist. Gage Adams, three goals, one assist. The trio combines for 16 points in that contest. Uh, Carson Boyle, six goals. Brock Haley, four goals, four assists as Vermont beats NJIT. 16 to 10. Shout out to Cleveland State uh, as they get their first ever A Sun win here, beating Lindenwood 14 to 12. I guess uh, Jacksonville, that's their first A Sun win as well. Um, and, and lacrosse play as well, beating RMU. Uh, Ryan Danahy gets his first league win at Moso 16 12 over, um, over Detroit. Mosey on Saturday as well. Uh, that, that that just about does it for today's show. As always, y'all can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can listen to the show as always on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, as well as watch on YouTube. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, leave the five star reviews where you can. All of those things, once again, help us grow the show. LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Enjoy the basketball, and uh, we'll see y'all back here again on Tuesday.